Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I don't know about you, but it feels great to have something to prepare for in the Arena Open. I just feel like I have a sense of purpose and drive right now. I agree, not only for ourselves, but for our dear listeners out there. I'm like, all right, I got to put in the work, synthesize it, and then ship it out there in a clean 60-minute episode. Boom. And I think we've got that ready to go. Yeah. So for folks who are maybe not degenerates like us or not you know, up on the Magic Arena news, there is another arena sealed open this coming weekend, May 8th and 9th, 9th if you make day two. So it's the same format as before. Uh, you know, You can do best of one or best of three on day one qualify for day two and day two is a first two either two losses or seven wins in best of three sealed and if you get all the way up to seven wins you get the chance to win two thousand dollars just cold hard cash ben two thousand dollars you won one thousand dollars cold hard cash in the last one yeah yeah played the most expensive match of magic of my life yeah going from five wins to six wins for a thousand dollars and then from six to seven you also then again have a chance to win a thousand dollars so it's really really exciting it's great to have the high stakes tournament from the comfort of our own home. And I think we're, we've got some really good information this week, Ben, to give folks a, a real good edge next weekend and a real shot at that cash prize. Yeah, both of us have been savagely crushing opponents in our sealed prep. Yeah, did uh, did move over to MTGO for a little bit because I do think some of some of it probably having to do with us being two weeks prior to I bet a lot of the the grinders will start their prep next week. Um, but some of the arena cues, I think were a little soft. So I hopped over to MTGO. And I, I have to say I did get crushed a little bit more. Yeah, but you also got a trophy over there as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, some some of the pools are straightforward in the sense of this pool is nuts, or this pool is really, really tough. And it's gonna be hard to scrap through. But that middle percentage, I don't know how much that is 80 90% of those pools that feel like you've got a lot of wiggle room and picking those right cards those like, you know, 15 through 20 second playable cards. That's where you get the real edge. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I also dipped over to MTGO for one sealed and I had a really bad pool. So I did not learn much other than that my pool was bad, which I knew going in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that, that is a bummer. I do think, you know, that's those are the pools that give sealed a bad rap. But the rest, it's I found it to be a really satisfying puzzle to try to solve this past week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've had a blast more. I've enjoyed sealed more than I have drafts so far for Strixhaven. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I have enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would for like a, a guild set, quote unquote. Yeah. All right. So we've got a lot of information to get to. So let's make sure we uh, waste no time. Just a few housekeeping things before then. First things first, we want to talk about the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. We talk about it each and every week. But, you know, in preparation for the Arena Open, I think the Discord is going to be an amazing resource for folks who have uh, contributed via the Patreon. So everyone who gives back via the Patreon gets access to our Discord, which is just the best limited tech support 24-7 on the internet. Really, really love it. And I think there's a lot of great sealed discussions happening in there as well. A lot of other really great stuff happening over at the Patreon, you know, access to our show notes in anticipation of the show, access to all of our draft logs, not only now our draft logs, Ben, but our sealed logs. So you can build along at home, see the record that we got. You can even replay the games thanks to uh, all the great stuff that the folks at 17lands.com are doing. Lots of really, really cool stuff happening at the Patreon. And of course, each and every week, we want to shout out our new patrons. So this week, we're welcoming to the fold Eric, Luis, Jesse, Nick, Samuel, Ryan, this one's for you, Ben, a trophy collector, Oren, Byrne, Johan, The Ragnarok, JC, and Nicholas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. 
Cannot say thank you enough for your support. Completely agree. I think we would also be remiss if we did not shout out uh, SealedDeck.tech at the beginning of the episode here for uh, building sealed pools in anticipation of the arena open. Yeah, I think SealedDeck.tech has been a real godsend for, for you and me specifically on stream when we do our deck techs. You know, that's one of the things, you know, folks who watch, they get these channel points on Twitch and then you can cash those in for whatever sort of things the streamers do. And I think the ones that are most popular for you and me are deck tech. So people send us their decks and we give feedback on them. And SealedDeck.tech is a website that lets you import a pool and then you can like mess around with it. So rather than folks just sending imager screenshot links and us having to mentally figure out, okay, cut these four cards, add these three in, whatever, we can just do it ourselves. We just get to move around the pool ourselves and it's really, really awesome. And they've even started soliciting like, hey, what else do you want to see? Like now the lessons are in their own pile and now there's just a button that lets you reset the build. So really huge shout out to the folks over at SealedDeck.tech. And to be clear, they have not reached out to us about saying anything on the podcast. This is just purely through the awesomeness of the website and the fact that, you know, Obviously, Arena's deck builder is less than ideal. So theoretically, it would be better if something like this didn't need to exist, but it really does. And SealedDeck.tech, I think, is the best sealed deck builder and is what I'm going to use to build my pools for the Arena Open and what I would encourage everybody in our Discord to build their pools in as well, because it's so easy for us to give feedback on the pools. You can just build it yourself and then resubmit, hey, here's what I would have built with your pool because you can actually move the cards around yourself. It's a really great tool. Yeah, absolutely. In my sealed video for Channel Fireball a couple of weeks ago, I did that. I was like, all right, so you could build an arena, but I'm going to show you what I normally do, which is export the whole pool and pop it into this website. So yeah, thank you very much, Sealed Deck Tech. Show is also brought to you in part now by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. It's not even now anymore. We've just been doing it for a while. Been over six months, yeah. Good six, seven months, yeah. So <laughs> show is brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. <laughs> not now. I make it sound like it just happened. Channel Fireball has been graciously supporting us for quite some time. So thank you, Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related they've got big stuff happening over at channel fireball we talked last week about the channel fireball marketplace that's going to be set up um, where they're going to be hosting all of your local game stores selling their stuff and then you will go to the channel fireball marketplace to you know purchase from your lgs of choice which is really awesome in addition to that, you know, CFP Pro still happening. You and I are both writing articles, Alex writing articles, there's pros writing articles, and a lot of great sealed content is coming out around this time. I know you just wrote an article breaking down an entire sealed pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be out this week. So yeah, tons of great stuff happening over at CFP Pro. And for anything that you get over there, whether it's purchasing some sealed product or, you know, maybe renewing your CFP Pro membership or signing up for the first time, we would really appreciate you using code LOL when you check out over there to let Channel Fireball know that we sent you. All right. So we've got, I think, a really great outline here today, Ben. We're going to start by a bunch of questions that you and I ask ourselves when approaching a pool. And then I think we're going to talk about where those questions lead you. This is a, a sort of thing I've been talking about on stream this week as like a chain reaction reaction. Like when you answer one of these questions in a certain way, that's going to lead you down this decision tree, down these branches. But if you answer it in a different way, it'll lead you down other branches. And I think that's what's leading us to, I think, often coming to the same conclusions with certain pools. Yeah, we haven't talked much about sealed together, but you had in our show notes linked five pools. Generally, we try to build a pool or like sort of pseudo build a pool. It's tough to follow along, but I think we have a good framework uh, for you to be able to follow along this time around. Um, But We built those five pools and three of them were almost identical. Two of them we had slightly different builds. Um, But I think in general, because we're approaching it the same way and we have similar card evaluations, we're ending up in the same place more often than not. Right. So so where are we at on this list of questions? So first thing I think is a fairly standard sealed question is what are your best cards, first of all? And then what colors are your best cards? You know, do they line up in a guild? If all your best rares are blue and red, 
you know, lucky you, you're probably going to be building Prismari. It's not necessarily that straightforward, but it certainly gives you a first stepping stone to, hey, I really want to try to be base blue red or whatever. Right. If you're Ben, you're opening like three to four nuts silver quill rares in every one of your pools. And so you're ending up silver quill a lot of the time. If you're me, your rares are, are somewhat anemic or a little spread out. That's been my experience, at least. Like I have powerful cards, but they don't often line up. And so it's sort of about picking and choosing which ones I want to maximize. And then that also leads us to other questions like what answers to these other questions line up with those powerful cards. Yeah, I've literally opened 10 pools. I looked at my 17 lands history and I've been Silver Quill eight out of 10 times, Space Silver Whoa, Quill. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Wow. So after you identify those best cards and what colors they are, I think the next thing you want to look at is where are your best learn cards and where is your most quantity of learn cards? And that's such a huge part of this format, I think. Yeah, I, I said on stream earlier this week that I don't really like to do like the hot takey stuff. Like people come in, they're like, well, what's the biggest difference? between sealed and draft and i was like i don't know if there's like a big difference between the two but if there's one point you take to heart about sealed in this format i think it's if you can maximize your learn and your lesson board like if you get a good lesson board and you can play like four learn cards you should do that that is the best thing i think you can do in the sealed format well and unfortunately that's not much different from draft because lesson learn is also busted in draft right exactly i mean that's a question i don't think we have sort of outlined here do you feel like there are big differences i know we have a list of like movers and shakers in terms of individual cards that we felt have impressed us but but by and large it doesn't feel like it's a different format to me i agree it's not all of a sudden a different format i think the best decks are you know hey did you get to where you can build sort of a deck that looks like a college draft deck if so you're probably in great shape for the sealed format right but that's how sealed formats always are like if you're Sealed deck looks like a draft deck, you're going to have a good time. Yes, I think that's true. But it was not necessarily, I was expecting to have more like three color, four color stuff going on. And that hasn't really been the case for me. I've been pretty solidly based two colors with a splash most of the time, I would say, or not even with a splash if I can get away with it. Yeah, I've had a different experience. I was looking at my 17 lands log and I have, I think I've splashed, like even if it's just a light splash for a card or two, I have done that in about 75% of my sealed pools. Okay, cool. And then so after you look at those learn cards and your best cards, if those line up in colors, it's pretty solid that you're going to be those colors, whatever they happen to be. And I don't think it's necessarily like a thing in Kaldheim where we're like, you really want to be green. And that's like plan A. I feel like you can pretty much be anything. And a lot of it's dictated by what rares you open and what gold cards you get in your pool. Right. Like, are you getting good green rares? And then is your Quandrix pile stacked. You have like six or seven cards you're happy to play there. That's probably going to dictate a lot of it. Um, Hopefully we're going to talk about when the pools are a little less straightforward as well. And so after you check out your best cards and your learn cards, then you want to look at your lessons. You know, you said having a great lesson board is really important. If your lessons are not good, I think you want to de-emphasize the learn lesson portion a little bit. But I found that there's often enough usually at least two or three good lessons that it's worth going after pretty hard yeah it's rare like sometimes i've got like two intro to prophecies those are my only colorless lessons and then i get like the bad summonings and then that that's the one of the questions where i go okay well this then is going to lead me to a decision tree of i don't have a good learn lesson board And then I don't really want to go to the late game. And so then I'm going to try and look for something aggressive to build. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Past that, I think you want to say specifically in your lessons, did you open environmental sciences? And if the answer to that is no, 
it's going to be a little tougher to splash and you're going to have to primarily rely on the campuses. There is still other good fixing though. So you can splash if you don't get environmental sciences. You get the campuses, you get archway commons, you get letter of acceptance. That's the three mana mana rock that taps for mana of any color and then you can pay two to sack it to draw a card. That's been totally fine, acceptable and sealed. And campus guide's actually been okay as well, I think, for fixing. That's the two mana two one. When it ETBs, you can search for a basic and put it on top of your library. Yeah, Campus Guide, I think, is an overperformer in Sealed for me um, because not only is there just such a distinct lack of two drops, and this is a colorless two drop for you, it helps you fix, but then it also doesn't feel like a lot of two drops that are irrelevant late in the game. Like I keep asking myself about cards, like, am I happy to draw this on turn seven? If not, I'm trying to not put it in my deck. But then there are even times that on turn seven, I'm like, you know, I really do want that eighth land or i really do want my splash color so campus guide doesn't even feel that bad then yeah i agree it's been fine i don't i don't know that i'm looking to play it but i am not unhappy if it makes it in my pile yeah that's that's where i'm at and so it's worth noting that you don't have to open environmental sciences to splash but if you do and you get the learn cards it is much easier and your mana is going to be much better it's a pretty big divide i think you could say on one side you've got pools that have environmental sciences and on the other side you have pools that don't have environmental sciences and those builds are going to be different based on that one card yes that's sort of like the snow non-snow thing in Kalheim sealed a little bit but it's just like hinged on one card which is kind of (laughs) crazy yeah and then past that I think you're looking at what colors have your best removal and do you need to splash for removal so for example like if your best cards are blue and green and you've got good blue and green learn cards but you don't have Baryan books or mage duels you better believe like I'm going to be trying to splash a heated debate or something along those lines because you do need to have removal and you do need to have interaction. Yeah, Expel, I think, is a fine splash in those situations, too. Yeah, Expel's not great, but you'll play it. You're not happy about Expel because you've been playing eight out of ten Silver Quill decks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it doesn't deal with a lot of the things. It is awkward. I mean, you're almost always playing the first copy and I would play two, maybe even three if I didn't have other removal spells, but it's significantly worse than things like Mage Hunter's Onslaught or whatever. I agree. I agree. And then past that, once you've got your removal situation figured out, I think you're looking at where your best gold cards are and where your most quantity of gold cards are. For me, it's been Silver Quill. Um, and then are any of those gold cards splashable? You know, like, for example, Elemental Masterpiece is just a really great card to splash in Sealed. That's the five blue-red make two four fours in Prismari, that gold common. Like, that's absolutely something you're willing to splash for if you're base Quandrix, for example. Yeah, for sure. And then past that, this is another big one. And I think this has had a lot of dictating of what colors I've ultimately ended up playing. And it sounds like you've had a similar experience. But what colors are your best two drops? Because there are not a lot of good two drops in this format in general and especially for sealed and getting to play two drops that matter is a big 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 deal this is i think one of green's strongest suits in sealed is that it gets both reckless amplomancer and scurried colony as two drops that scale well with the game at common um but yeah th- there's just not a lot of good twos like you know you get to blue and you're like i guess i'm playing barog befuddler but like i hope to never put that card on my sealed deck yeah, blue at common, something like Soothsayer Depth, that's the one in a blue 1-3 that can tap, draw a card, discard a card for one in a blue. I think that goes up in value a little bit in Sealed, and I'd be hoping to play that over the Frog, but neither of them are great. Yeah, there's this big line in the sand, and I wish I could describe it better than just like 
cards that matter versus cards that don't matter. The framework of am I happy to draw it on turn seven sort of helps. But that is one of the things that has identified these like two drops that are just not good, like Blood Age General or the Befuddler or the Soothsayer. I just hope to not play any of those cards. Yes, I agree. And you shouldn't play bad two drops just to get twos in your deck, I think. If you're in that spot, you should just play the couple good two drops you have and hope that you don't run into an aggro deck. And if you do, then you can sideboard appropriately if you're in best of three. Agreed. And then finally, I think the last question, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, but is can I build a straight two color college deck that looks like a draft deck? And if the answer is yes to that, even if you've got environmental sciences and the ability to splash, whatever, like I think you just want to build that streamlined deck. And then maybe if you have some awesome sauce bomb, then you want to splash that as well off your good fixing. But just because you have good fixing, doesn't mean you have to splash. There's been a lot of times I've had pools that could splash and do, you know, three or four color stuff pretty easily and still have good mana, but I just didn't need to because my best cards were contained within, you know, two colors and maybe a splash card or two. Could not agree more. I think I've seen a lot of folks on Twitch chat specifically think like, well, because you have all this fixing, because you have, you know, five learned cards, environmental sciences and archway commons, you should splash these cards. I'm like, well, but I don't need to, right? Like they're not filling any sort of hole in my deck in terms of removal or card draw or whatever. Like my deck just functions as is and I don't need to play this other card that's going to make my mana base just slightly worse. Yeah, I have not felt that sealed has been no rush magic to reference Starcraft or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, some decks are, but there are, as as Ben has had experience with, there are just a lot of curve out beat down Silver Quill decks out there. I think a lot of pools can even make, you know, medium versions of those decks. And even those medium versions can steal wins quite a lot. So to to take those questions and move down that decision tree, we're going to go deeper into our show notes here. And I think, as we've alluded to, I think Sealed for Strixhaven is not different than Sealed in most formats. We're identifying, right, your best cards, your bond, bombs, your removal, your card advantage, and your resource management. You identify your best cards and you try to maximize them. So this chain reaction process that I'm alluding to, this decision tree thing, I think happens a lot in sealed formats. It felt like in call time after your rares, your snow lands, your green fixing, and your spell lands dictated a lot of what you could do, right? I always felt like at the end of my sealed builds, if I was playing seven of the lands that I opened, I had a really good deck. And if the pool that I had only let me play like one of those lands, I felt really bad about that. I don't know if that was your experience as well. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So not only the snow lands, but those uncommon spell lands, it just felt like you got to play so many more of the cards you opened. And that was strong. I think similarly, there's a thing happening in Strixhaven with the more learn spells you can play opens up your lesson board. And that's going to make your deck better as well. Could not agree more. And I think one of the other things that does is it really lets you play all of your best spells and not really care about your creature count that much. You know, I've had a lot of sealed pools that have had eight creatures, nine creatures, 10 creatures. And then I'm starting to look and I'm thinking, man, am I really going to be able to close out the game? And then I remember, oh, yeah, I have two inkling summonings and a spirit summoning or a fractal summoning and two elemental summonings like and your creature count is just artificially way higher if you open the summonings in your lesson board. Right. You get, you know, if you have five learn cards, then you're like, okay, that's five copies of those summonings. And especially if they're like, you know, the good ones like inkling summoning or like the big dumb creatures like elemental summoning and fractal summoning, that's going to make you feel a lot better about your creature count. Right. And then you're going to be playing things too, like Serpentine Curve, if you have a deck that's pretty spell heavy or Leyline Invocation, that's the five and a green make a fractal equal to the number of lands you control. So I think you should not be super worried about your creature count number. And it's not uncommon to be in 
in, you know, like the nine to 12 range in sealed. Speaking of Serpentine Curve, I loved your little love letter via the Channel Fireball newsletter that came out yesterday to Serpentine Curve. Yeah, that was sweet. So here are the three chain reaction-y things that I think happen in Sealed. One, my best card or cards are in some color, let's say blue. So you're incentivized to play that color. And then you look at, okay, so the decision tree is, which of blue's colleges am I likely to pair it with? So either Quandrix or Prismari. Well, I have six Quandrix cards and two Prismari cards. So it's very likely that I end up playing base blue green in that build. And that's a fairly straightforward chain reaction, I'd say. Yeah, that would be like level one or whatever. So number two is, hey, I've got a great lesson suite, right? I opened all four colorless lessons. I've got environmental sciences. I've got fractal summoning. I've got elemental summoning. Like you really want to open up this lesson board as best you can. So you're just looking for the best color pair to maximize learn. This is, you know, especially good if you have sciences and two drop learn spells, hunt for specimens, cram session, professor of symbology and study break. Those four like unconditional things that you can play on turn two to be able to go fetch environmental sciences to open up your splash. That's really important and really consistent. So if you can get four to five learn spells in your deck, you've got environmental sciences, you've got a good lesson board. I think that's a really good home for your deck. And that is where you're going to most often find yourself playing a non-college based color pair. Have you done this yet? Yeah, I have. And it's always been because of lesson learn. It's been because I have good lesson learn and, you know, things like, you know, hunt for specimens that I really want to play, but I don't have good silver quill or wither bloom. It's only happened to me once. I played blue black, but I had very good lessons and I had very good learn cards in blue and black. And I didn't have a lot of good gold uncommons or good gold commons. I think it's those two things combined, like the lack of, you know, the B level gold cards, as well as, you know, you do get those B level learn cards, but they're in, you know, colors that don't match up. Yeah. So let's say you've got a professor of symbology, a study break, and then two field trips. Well, green white is not a a common college, right? It's not a college in Strixhaven, but that gives you a base for a really good early learn package that then consistently finds your splash color if you need it, because you can go get environmental sciences. So it's very easy to say, well, then I'm going to be base white green and then either splash, you know, black that bridges the gap between the two of those naturally, or you can, you know, splash a bunch of other stuff. You can just like splash for your good removal, play a heated debate, what a barian books, whatever. But that base gives you a really good framework for a strong deck. Yeah, and I would say this is not common, like maybe about a third or 25% of pools or whatever, but these are the ones that are most fun to build. Yeah, well, but, and that's going to give you the edge. If, if no one else is looking for those off-college pairs, if that's not even occurring to them, which I think it's not to a lot of people, that you can do that. You know, I, I had a deck in the Discord the other day that someone uh, added me, and I built just straight blue-black. No bridging, no splashing. I was just like, I think this is where your best cards are, and this is what you should build. That's going to happen very rarely, but you want to be aware of when that's the possibility. And it's also worth noting, like for whatever, you know, another example, let's say you've got some Hunt for Special and you've got two igneous inspiration or whatever you can be base black red and then you still get to splash you know if you've got a great wither bloom card you want to splash you can splash that if you've got environmental sciences or you know you can still splash good prismari cards that are blue you know you can still splash that you know elemental masterpiece or whatever but there are options to be base two color non-college and then splash the good gold college cards Yeah. And then the third decision tree or chain reaction-y thing is that your powerful cards are scattered, right? Let's say you've got good rares, but they don't really line up anywhere and or you don't have good lessons or you have very few learn cards. You know, we're going to look at a pool later that that doesn't have a lot of learn cards. And so that is going to sometimes dictate, hey, 
I don't have good learn lesson. That means I can't really compete in the late game in terms of power and card draw and card advantage that other decks I know I'm going to face can. And so then I am incentivized to build the most streamlined two color deck I can to try and go under those other decks. Yeah. And I think that is definitely a disaster case scenario, right? Like you don't want to be building that type of deck, in my opinion. You're saying if it's not in the sort of, hey, this looks like a draft deck scenario. Yeah, that like if you're if you're playing an aggro deck that doesn't have lesson learn, I'm not super excited about it. Yeah, I agree. But I think, you know, maybe that's not going to happen often, but that is going to be probably the, you know, the lowest end of your pools. But there are still ways to salvage those pools, I think. I think you have to identify that you can't do what I think some folks would consider doing, which is, well, I'm just going to cobble together all my best cards and fingers crossed that the mana works. I think that's just going to lead you to a worse deck a lot of the time because you're going to face so many functional decks that also have card advantage and good learn lesson that you need to, I think, try and go under them instead. Yeah, I agree. I think sealed is much more about intrinsically powerful cards than synergy. What do you think about that statement? I think that's true, but then the pools where you also get those intrinsically powerful cards and synergy, you know, you're just stealing something, you know, feels like. But yeah, I think that's in general, you want to play cards that work well on their own, like that are going to score well in quadrant theory, as it were. You want your cards to do the thing the most consistent amount of time, right? Just to be sure, like when I draw it, it's going to perform well and I'm going to be happy that I drew it. Right. For example, I just had that really rough pool on Magic Online that I alluded to earlier when we were just chatting at the beginning of the show. And I had two Tome Shredders and two Stonebinders Familiars and a lot of spells. And I was thinking, yeah, I can run these two Stonebinders Familiars and this Tome Shredders and I can exile the spells and grow my Stonebinders Familiars. And then like you're doing work to build five fives or whatever when other people are just going to be casting Leyline Invocation and making eight eights. Like it's it's cute to have synergy like that. But in general, you just want your cards to pull their own weight. Yeah, we can we talk for a second about like, you know, Lorehold is, I think, kind of just bad in draft. It's really bad in sealed. Lorehold's <laughs> gold cards, like aside from Rip Apart and Return Pass Caller, are just bad. And then you're talking about like doing work with an uncommon and a common to build a couple of three threes or something. Yeah, not ideal, I think. Yeah. So this is that that sort of identify cards that matter. Essentially, are you happy to draw them on turn seven? We're talk- we've talked about the filler two drops like Blood Age General or Unwilling Ingredient or Spined Karak, the like three mana two four. I feel like there's a like, well, this is just stats. It's just like this is going to get outclassed way too quickly and is going to be irrelevant in the late game. Yeah, I think if you're thinking about quadrant theory and you're wanting cards to score well there, if you can just think grades and get every card in your deck graded as a C plus or a higher and you don't have those situational D type cards in your deck, you're going to be having a better time in sealed more often than not. Yeah, the other day I built like a teamer pile deck and it didn't have any bombs per se, but every card was like C plus to B plus. Like just every card was good to great. And that makes for a really strong sealed deck. Yeah, I think so. You just want your your cards when you draw them, you want them to be good cards. And the games, you're going to have to play games of magic and they're going to go long and you don't want to draw that spined Karak or whatever on turn 12. Mm-hmm. Um, some important safety tips for sealed. There's a lot of colorless fixing, as we've alluded to. There's environmental sciences, campus guide, letter of acceptance, archway commons, the campuses. 
you should still be building a base two color deck 99% of the time. Don't, you know, be doing these like five forests, six mountains, five islands, and then like some campuses. Like you really want to make sure you're synthesizing stuff, especially environmental sciences should be doing some heavy, heavy lifting, right? If you think about, I've got four learn spells, I've got a campus, I've got sciences, I've got a mountain. That's like six or seven splash sources for you right there. Yes, I think sciences helps a lot with numbers of sources. But I also think it's important to not go crazy that just because you have the fixing, you shouldn't feel like, okay, I've got to splash. If your good cards are still contained in a small area, just go to that small area and have a great mana base. The fixing opens up build possibilities for you, but don't ignore a good deck just because you have fixing. Absolutely. Uh, hand disruption, as I think it often does in sealed, gets better. Go blank, the three mana discard two. And exile, the, the yard has been quite relevant. Uh, agonizing remorse, duress, I think these are all very playable. Obviously, humiliate the white black discard spell that puts a counter on a creature that's even more backbreaking all the hand disruption is good can you talk to me about go blank i have not been including that mostly because i felt like people just don't run out of gas so i'm way less interested in trying to two for one my opponent and i'm much more interested in just trying to two for one myself like as much as i possibly can yeah i, I don't think it's a card that i'm like actively i don't know how to describe it it is a card that if I see it in a sealed deck, I'm not like, oof, I, I want to try and get that out of there. Because I think you're right about your opponents like not running out of gas, quote unquote. But that also means that they're always playing out their land drops, right? Because they're like trying to get to that fractal summoning or whatever. So you're often even in the late game able to nab two things. That matter, yeah. That matter. I just feel like nabbing two things matters less than it has normally because there are so many two for ones available to people yeah i, I don't know that's not been my experience with the card but it's not i'm not like saying it's a, a rocking all-star or anything like that cool i just haven't played with or against it yet so i have no no experience but i have really liked agonizing remorse duress i have not had much experience with yeah i think you know duress negate test of talents th those all these cards that feel like they're never playable and limited are all quite good in this format i think and then even get bumped up higher and sealed yeah negate and test of talents i agree very good and sealed like not bomb level or whatever but you're happy to include them i gotta do a little story time for you uh, last week or i guess it wasn't last week maybe two weeks ago because i haven't played draft last week uh i played against a rakdos deck in limited that was just hand disruption and then uh pillar drop wardens to get back the hand disruption i got go blanked three times <laughs> in a game i was also in a like teamer life that cared about getting spells back with my own pillar drop rescuers or pillar drop wardens it was uh it was a wild ride i did lose to the rakdos discard deck yikes yeah <laughs> all right uh i want to talk about number of lands because it sounds like we maybe disagree here a little bit i have been mostly running 18 lands. I'll say sometimes I will let Campus Guide be my 18th land um, and then run 17. But I have felt like 18 lands with an importance of one to two campuses in all your non-aggro decks. Yeah, I've been between 17 and 18. I think I've been most frequently 17 because of what you said. Like I've had a couple Campus Guides or I've had a Letter of Acceptance and a Campus Guide. And I felt like if I went 18, that was just like too many cards dedicated to mana sources. But I think if you're not running campus guides, letters, whatever, 18 is good as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I do want to talk quickly about letter of acceptance. I have also found myself running that in non-splash situations, specifically in Prismari decks. Like if you don't get the spectacle mages or the things to make your elemental masterpieces or whatever your your big six seven eight mana plays cheaper letter of acceptance is just fine ramp for those decks yeah i would say in general you 
prefer to not have it in your pool, but yeah. it's certainly playable. But there, but again, like a chain reaction thing happens. I'm like, I'm playing blue red. I've got two elemental masterpieces. I don't have a way to get there fast. I'm happy to play letter of acceptance. Yeah, I think for sure. Where are you at? In the, the big bad deck swap area, have you found multiple builds in a lot of your pools? Because I have not. I also have not. I've had, I think, multiple viable builds in one or two. But even then, I felt like one was consistently stronger. And I think a lot of that goes down to learn lesson, right? Mm-hmm. That's such a huge part of the metagame and your deck building process that once you find the best shell for learn lesson, it feels like when you switch into any colors that don't maximize learn lesson as well, that you're just making your deck significantly worse. Yeah, that's that's what I think as well. And so, you know, I'm often finding a clear best deck and I can find like 15, 16, 17 cards immediately that I'm happy to put in that deck. And then the puzzle of what those last five to seven, eight cards are, that is, I think, where your big edge is gained in this format. And like whether to splash or how much to splash. Yes. Like do you splash two cards or do you splash four cards? Because like a lot of times you're trying to make those kinds of choices as well. Right. And, and like, well, I really do need to make a curve consideration include here. So which of these four bad two drops do I think I need to include? Like, what's the best here? And that's when, you know, you're going to take the soothsayer over the befuddler or whatever when you can. Um, You know, am I tempo enough that I can make use of this symmetry sage? You know, there's a lot of considerations there. And I think figuring out how that puzzle fits together has been the most fun for me and has been where like my biggest edge is. Yeah, for sure. So just to get into a list of specific sealed overperformers, I already touched on this. Campus guide, I think even on turn seven, sometimes you want to draw your eighth land. Sometimes you want to find your splash. I think campus guide, you know, I'm not looking to run it in a a two color deck a lot of the time, though, even though even sometimes your aggro decks want another two drop. So that's fine there, too. Um, I've just found this to be a card I'm much happier with in sealed than in draft. Mentor's guidance, another one. And just including that under the umbrella of all card draw spells. Mentor's guidance, I've actually been a little less happy with, mostly because I haven't had a high creature count sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. I'll also say, how about this one? Crushing Disappointment, the four mana spell in black that has each player lose two life and then you draw two. Like, card I never want to play in draft, but every time my opponent casts it in sealed, I'm like, dang it, another two for one. Yeah, and practical research, you know, drawing four, discarding two is absurd. I think the card draw spells and raw card advantage is really good in sealed. Good news for you, Ben. I am consistently a week behind. I got to say, sealed has really shown me the light on cram session. It's so good. Yeah, cram session is so good. So here's the, the biggest thing is in conjunction with environmental sciences, I feel like those two mana learn spells that let you keep two landers where you're like, hey, if I don't draw my third land, I can always just go hunt for specimens, go find sciences, find my third land. Cram Session does that too. It's so flexible and sealed, which is great, right? Because the hybrid mana, you get to play it in 60% of your decks. It's just so easy to slot in there. Um, Yeah, Cram Session has been great. Well, and it's exactly the kind of two drop you want, right? It's relevant. It keeps you from not dying to the aggro decks quite as easily Mm -hmm. while getting you a busted card out of your sideboard to make your deck function better. It's everything you want in a two drop in sealed. Agreed. Zamone Quandrix Prodigy up next. This is just a must kill threat in sealed. You can't let Zamone go uncontested. Agreed. And I think especially because it's not a very good two drop, this is just a perfect splash card because you're like, I'm fine to play this on turn six. That's when it's going to start to get going anyway. Yes, absolutely. How about Witherbloom Pledge Mage? This is the three hybrid hybrid five five with Magecraft. You gain a life. This has just been 
keyword large really hard yeah. to remove yeah card is huge it blocks all the four fours running around the life gain's been consistently relevant i think it's actively a card you're trying to include agreed and again like benefits from its hybrid cost biblioplex assistance another one that's really impressed me this is the four mana two one flyer and you can put uh, a spell from your graveyard on top of your deck when it etbs you know rebuying something as simple as rise of extus the four white-black-white-black uh, <laughs> white, black hybrid. Yes, I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Giving the people what they want. Where you exile a creature and exile a spell, and then you get to learn. That's back-breaking when you rebuy something like that with Biblioplex Assistant. Well, I mean, because it's sealed, you're playing your best stuff, right? So you're going to have access to that, or Heated Debate, or Burian Books. Like, the best removal is what you're playing. And so then Biblioplex Assistant had some really good targets. And the fact that it's colorless means, like, it just goes in whatever build you have. Uh, I've been impressed by this card quite a bit. And 2-1 Flyer. Also, a 2-1 Flyer is a threat. Right, the body's just relevant. Yeah. Uh, we've already sort of touched on this shout out to relevant two drops that are good on two and good late, like Amplomancer, Scourge Colony. I like Illustrious Historian too, the two one that you can pay five to exile from your yard to make a three, two spirit. Uh, I just think having an idea of what are the two drops that are good late and what are the two drops that are not good late and having that line and hoping to never run the ones that are not good late. Returned pass caller. That's the four, two lore hold uh, flyer that rebuys a spirit instant or sorcery and also pillar drop rescuer, the four and a white two, two flyer that rebuys a uh, creature CMC, excuse me, mana value three or less just flying two for ones pillar drop rescuer, especially I think it's a huge bump up and sealed. Yeah. I mean like getting back something like a Quandrix pledge mage or something late in the game, like there, there are lots of good threes that you can get back with that card. I have found the flying two for ones to be really strong. I had a really gross deck that had uh, three pillar drop rescuers and I had Nasiri, the red Dean, the blue red Dean. Whoa. So I could play my Nasiri and then you could rebuy it because the three CMC, gosh dang it, the three mana value blue one goes in your graveyard. That's so that was so super gross. sweet. Yeah, I have found like basically if I ever have professor of symbologies, I just want to run all my pillar drop rescuers too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Next up, we got Pilgrim of the Ages. This is the three mana two one in white that searches up a plains. I mean, this is a two one. This sealed is a great home for Pilgrim of the Ages, right? Hits your land drops. It's recurring. It's a two for one. It just checks all the boxes. Yeah, you can late in the game just chump large fractals while thinning out of all the lands out of your deck. It just does so many things for you. Mm -hmm. Hunt for Specimens, another one. I keep talking about this card because it's so, so, so good. The learn cards that are two drops that you want to play that let you play relevant two drops and sealed, I think are huge pulls to those colors. I mean, you're not doing it exclusively for those cards, but it doesn't take much to tip you over the edge for that to be one of your base colors. Yeah, big dumb top end that is kind of splashable. Leyline Invocation that makes the big fractal for your lands. And Elemental Masterpiece, we talked about this already, that makes two four fours. These are like potentially splash worthy cards. I think these are just like, hey, you get these at common and these are relevant large bodies that your opponent has to deal with. I mean, and you don't have to splash them if you have other finishers, but if you're in need of finishers, cards that you should be on the lookout for to potentially splash as a finisher. Mm -hmm. Rise of Extus is busted in sealed. It's You almost have to play every copy of it that you open. I think it would be leaving a lot on the table. Like It's close to bomb rare status, I think. Yeah, the card is backbreaking. We've talked about there's ways to recur it, like the Biblioplex Assistant, like Pillar Drop Warden. Um, you know, if you're in team or colors, you don't have to play this. But otherwise, like this should be a pull into, you know, white, black, 
or black green or white red though i don't think you should be playing white red very often but yeah rise of excess is insane spiteful squad is another one that has really impressed me i've had a chance to play with this a lot and i would not have been high on my list but uh charlie strix familiar came in and suggested in one of my builds and it just does everything you want in sealed it blocks your opponent's large fractals and like it threatens to make your flyers which you have a lot of generally in white black into huge threats and there's just this awkward mini game of like okay like when am i going to trade with my opponent's spiteful squad and you know when your opponent wants to trade with it that they probably have a removal spell and then you get some information about that to maybe try to like you know hold up a counter spell or you know some interaction to maybe turn that in your favor but it it matters a lot in sealed the mini game phrase i think is really apt every time i have faced this card i have felt like the game sort of warps around it and i go okay i now have to figure out a way to not let you get maximum value out of this. I can't trade with a creature of mine and then have a larger problem on your side of the battlefield. Like dumping two counters onto an inkling summoning token is a real problem. A 4-3 flyer is a real problem. I agree. This is maybe a little teaser for an episode that we're going to do in the future. This card, I think, gets a little gold star for me, Ben, because I saw (laughs) this card early and I was like, oh, this is going to be a more controlling thing or like holds off the ground while you're racing with flyers. And it sort of does but it's also an aggressive threat. Like you also feel like you can't block it in a way, but then you eventually are going to have to block it because if the silver quill deck has done its thing, you, your life total is low enough that taking two going from eight to six to four, you're just like, eventually I have to deal with this and I really don't want to. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I think that's about as much, you know, raw information as we can dump out there. Let's try and put these, these things into practice, these questions, these decision trees, these chain reactions into an actual sealed pool. Yeah, we've got one of your sealed pools here, and it is a sweet one. So we're just going to go through, I think, all of those questions in order and then try to ultimately arrive at a build here. And when you download the show, we'll have the sealeddeck.tech link to uh, the pool so that you can build it for yourself as well. Yeah, so you can like pause the episode now if you want, go check out the link, build a deck, and then you can uh, follow along with us here. So first question we asked at the start of the episode is, what are your best cards and what colors are they? And I think of the rares, and that's what we're generally talking about here, because we'll talk about removal in a second, but of the rares, we've got four that jump out at me. One is colorless, that's Hall of Oracles, the land that you know can filter for a color, but also has Magecraft, essentially. You can tap to add a plus and plus one counter to a creature you control at sorcery speed, but only if you've cast an instant or sorcery this turn. That card is busted. That's going to like make our deck no matter what. There's also a Selfless Glyph Weaver. That's the two and a white, two, three. You can exile it to give creatures you control indestructible until end of turn and on the back side you've got deadly vanity the five black 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 sorcery uh, that lets you dune blast choose a creature of planeswalker then destroy all other creatures and planeswalkers there's tempted by the auric that's one triple blue for the sorcery uh, for you to gain control of target creature with mana value three or less um being able to steal a big fractal, that's big game here. Yep. And the last rare that really sticks out is a Freet Flame Painter. This is three and a red for a 1-4 double strike. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell will be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. That card is can never hit you or the game is over. Card is busted. I would say that is our best card in the pool, followed by like, you know, Hall of Oracle is just going to make our deck no matter what. But this is kind of a spread and not like the most powerful, right? A tr- triple blue, Tempted by the Orc is good. A Freak Flame Painter busted. Selfless Glyph Weaver, good. If we can play the backside, that would be awesome. But, you know, pairing a triple black card with a triple blue card or a red card, that's sort of tough in this format. So I'm looking at these rares and I'm thinking this is a bit of a spread. Yeah, definitely not 
the easiest thing to just say we're doing x based on these rares exactly so next question is what colors and where are your best learn cards so the best one i think in the whole pool is probably rise of extus that's the four white black white black hybrid exile a creature exile an instant or sorcery from a graveyard and then learn yeah we got professor of symbology as well the two mana two one in white hunt for specimens one in a black make a pest and then last one one we're hoping to not play is first day of class that's the one in a red instant whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control this turn put a plus and plus one counter on it and it gains haste until end of turn and of course all of these have learn yeah so if we just pause right now mm-hmm I'm kind of interested in white black because we've got the glyph weaver. Yes. We've got the professor. We've got the hunt and we've got the rise of Extus. But then we're leaving, you know, tempted and a free flame painter. So I'm thinking like Jeskai or white black if we pause right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe you're white black and you can splash the flame painter. You know, you've already got Hall of Oracles, which is going to help you splash. Um, maybe we've got an environmental sciences with these learned cards. But I agree, right? You get to play three good learned cards in Professor, Hunt and Rise. You get to play both sides of the Glyph Weaver, either the three mana, two, three, or the, you know, sweet sweeper at eight mana. And then you're leaving Tempted by the Orc on the table, but that's okay. Uh, And hopefully we can play the Flame Painter. But you already hear, like, I don't know if folks think about it that way. Like, we're already going, okay, these are our best cards. Which deck can we build that includes the most of them? You're really just trying to not leave power in your sideboard as much as possible yes while still having a functional banner base and a functional deck yes 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 all all, all of those eat your vegetables uh, classifications i agree with so next thing is what colors are our best lessons and do they line up with our learn cards so we have a very strong lesson suite here we've got environmental sciences check that box this is all the colorless lessons right oh yeah we do have one of each yeah it's sciences expanded anatomy intro to prophecy and intro to annihilation that's a really sweet suite of lessons <laughs> pun not intended <laughs> uh necrotic fumes that's the one black black uncommon that you can exile a creature that you control to exile a creature that an opponent controls you get start from scratch that's the red two and a red deal of damage destroy an artifact and then you've got inkling summoning and spirit summoning yeah so that's a really good suite four colorless lessons uh and then four pretty good lessons i mean spirit summoning is probably the worst but all the other ones i'm really happy with and again like right now if we're thinking you know do those line up yes certainly both those summonings we'd be able to play in white black and white is looking like a color we really want to play at this point because just by playing white we get access to both of those summonings as well as professor and rise of Exodus. yeah that's that's a really big like okay white is looking very 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 appealing if we can make it work so the next question you want to look at is you know did i open environmental sciences the answer is yes but we also have a ton of other fixing two campus guides two letter of acceptances a Hall of Oracles, and then a ton of campuses. Two Lorehold campuses, a Prismari, two Quandrix, a Silver Quill, and the Black-White Snarl. So that's like worse than a campus, but still another dual land. Yeah, this is the most campuses I've ever seen in a pool. It feels really bad. I've seen some pools where you have zero campuses. That feels really bad. Or sometimes I'm like, ah, I have to play blue-green, but my only campus is Black-White. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, feels tough when you're in that spot for sure. Yeah. And I think so we could theoretically do whatever with this amount of fixing, I think. Yeah, for sure. So it's about what is the best thing to do and is it worth it to do whatever, you know? Yeah. So next questions are what colors have our best removal and do we need to splash for removal? You know, like we're potentially looking at some white black action or some Jeskai at the moment. Like, do we have removal in those colors or are we going to need to stretch for some other removal? So 
Uh, we have Mortality Spear. That's the two black-green instant, destroy target non-land permanent, and cost two less if you gained life. Uh, we've got the Rise of x that we've been talking about. Those, those are our two best removal spells. As far as other removal, what do we have going on there? As far as other removal, it's not great, right? We have Tempted by the Orc. That's the control magic spell we talked about. Two copies of Expel, two and a white exile target tapped creature, and one copy of Pigment Storm. That's the three red red sorcery deal five, and then excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller. Yeah, and I think so, again, with this removal, white is looking more and more likely, right? Because we want other removal spells, and Expel is, while not great, I think the first copy is good, and you will play the second copy probably yeah i mean unless you're a super aggro deck you just need ways to interact you got to have more even even if rise of exodus is so so powerful you got to have more than just that all right uh, so moving on down what are our best and most quantity of gold cards and are any of them splashable so we have a lot of good prismari gold cards we have rutha mercurial artist which is borderline bomb status i think like on power level with a lot of our rares and maybe better agreed um so that's the one blue red one for you can pay two to return it to your hand to copy an instant or sorcery spell you control. Um, there's also in Prismari Practical Research, the draw four, discard two, and two elemental masterpieces. And all of those are splashable and worthy of splashing, I think. Right. That is like the deepest that we have for sure. So you've also got that mortality spear that we talked about. Yes, splashable for playing black or green. No, if we're not. And we have nothing really that's incentivizing us to play green that we've really talked about. So I think if we ended up white black, potentially we'd be looking to splash that mortality spear. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, we're pretty light on good gold cards as well, right? The, the multicolored cards we talked about, those are really it. We're, we're just light on them in general and light on good ones. Um, the next question you want to ask is what colors are your best two drops? So white gives us some good ones. Obviously, top of the heap is Professor of Symbology. You get Stone Rise Spirit, which has, has really impressed me in Sealed, especially in aggro decks. This is the one in a white one, two flyer. You can pay four to exile a card from your graveyard to give another creature flying until end of turn. It's just felt like it just chips in for damage early, and then in the mid game, you have to kill it or it's just going to end the game in the air. Yeah, I've been very impressed as well. It does, it's not really a super relevant body for blocking. Right. But... Yeah. Um, and then we've also got Eager First Year in a Pinch. The 2-mana two 2-2 two with Magecraft gets plus 1, plus 0 oh until end of turn. What's going on in blue? Got stone zero two drops in blue. And in black, we do have some. So we've got Arrogant Poet. That's the two one that you can pay two life to jump into the air. We've got Leech Fanatic, uh, the two mana two two that gets lifelink on attacks. And then we've also got a hunt for specimens. So we do have some good two drops in black. So this is another like glaring, hey, maybe we should be building black white, right? Good two drops here. That's where we get good removal. Let's us play both sides of our Glyph Weaver. Um, so we'll, we'll be definitely looking at that in just a second. Uh, moving on, we've got red does not provide any good twos. It only has Blood Age General, but we're hoping to not play that. And in green, we do have one. We've got Reckless Amplomancer, the one in a green 2-2 two, two, that you can pay five mana to double its power and toughness until end of turn. Um, Multicolored gives us a Needlethorn Drake, the green-blue 1-1 one, one Death Touch Flyer. And of course, we have the aforementioned two copies of Campus Guide at Colorless. And again, like we don't have great green cards and Needlethorn Drake's not really of the power level that you're going to be looking to splash it. No, that's one of those, ooh, I'm going to be in blue-green, so I'm going to play this. It's not like a thing you want to splash. Yeah, but it is very good in blue-green. Yeah. So, and then the last question is, can you build a straight two-color college deck that looks similar to a draft deck? And I think the answer to that ultimately for this pool is no. Um, you know, I think first thing I tried to do was lay out white black because we have all of those cards that we've talked about. You know, we have the good twos. We're checking a lot of the boxes. We have good removal, that sort of thing. But you just ultimately 
end up a little bit short on playables and you end up leaving a lot of power in your sideboard. So cards like Rutha, Tempted by the Auric, and a free Flame Painter, those are some of the best cards in the pool and you just don't get to play them if you're straight black-white. Right. So the things that black-white really add or feel like they're, they're, they're really attractive, we've talked about some. I think it's worth mentioning that there's two combat professors and a pillar drop rescuer in white, which are just really rock-solid cards. The problem with black that I see is that beyond those good twos that we talked about, it doesn't provide the things you want. You know, I would I would be so much happier if we had two copies of Mage Hunter's Onslaught, you know? Black doesn't give us any removal, and our literal only Silver Quill card in the pool is Rise of Exodus. So, you know, you probably get to 15 really good cards, and then you're just you just have nowhere else to go. Yes, then you're just doing a lot of filler, and that's that's ultimately not where you want to be. And, you know, I will say our pool does have a lot of good fixing. Like, we have the goods to splash if we want to. And I almost wonder, looking at the deck that we built, if there's a world where we can maybe Mize getting three swamps in some magical Christmas land to uh, oh God. Play, play the back half of Selfless Cliff Weaver, but that might be a little irresponsible. That seems a little irresponsible, but, you know, we do have the the goods to perhaps make that work and that's largely off the back of uh sciences but you know we only have two learn spells in the deck i wonder if even playing hunt for specimens in this deck would have been something worth thinking about yeah so to, to sort of like you know peel back the curtain here we can talk about the deck that we did end up building which is one of these off college based decks so to try and not leave tempted by the orc on the sidelines and to take advantage of white like white feels like a no-brainer i think there's like this there's a chain reaction thing here right so white is a no-brainer i think you have to play white off the back of professor and rise and then you get double expel which are two of your only removal spells and then you still get to play double combat professor and pillar drop rescuer which are just great cards period yes so we have to play white. So then what are we trying to pair white with? Well, we're really not trying to pair it with red, I think, just because white red isn't very good. And that leaves Tempted by the Auric on the sidelines, which we'd like to play. We talked about potentially pairing it with black, which I think you could do. We'll maybe theorycraft about that in just a second. Um, but I elected to do white paired with blue. So I got to play Tempted by the Auric. And then I did a pretty aggressive red splash, right? We're playing one, two, three, four, five, six red cards in this deck. But it's really not hard to do. As we said, we have a ton of fixing. We've got the two campus guides, two learn spells to go find sciences. And then we've also got Prismari campus, two Lorehold campuses, and the Hall of Oracles. So that's quite a bit of fixing. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you'll be able to see that pool as well. Um, ben, what do you want to talk about with this uh, this white-black theorycraft deck? Yeah, so while we were looking at this and just talking through this, and we were talking about how deep white and black was I mean I spent some time with this pool last night and my the build I came up with was very similar to Ethan's build here like this Jeskai build um, because I do think it lets you play a lot of your best cards I also think there's a world where our fixing is good enough that we could potentially be base black white and use those good early plays from black you know you get to play your hunt for specimens Maybe you play Leech Fanatic as well, and you get a Spectre of the Fens, which I do think Spectre of the Fens is a good card in Sealed. That's the three and a black, two, three flyer, um, and you can pay five and a black to drain two, gain two. That is a must-answer threat. You also get Crushing Disappointment as a card draw spell. We've talked about that being okay. And I think there's a world where you can elect to leave Tempted by the Auric on the sidelines and play like base white-black, and we have good enough fixing that I think you can actually just splash our blue red gold cards almost well you can also just splash everything else good so then you get to play mortality spear 
then maybe you're even splashing Leyline and Vacation or whatever. Um, I do think the fixing is there where you can just go, all right, base white, black, and then what are the best cards in the three other colors? Right, because we have those two Lorehold campuses. We have the two white-black duels. Um, maybe you're making use of those Quandrix campuses then. Probably not. You could get a letter of acceptance in there. And then the thing that's appealing about that build is I think you have a little bit stronger early game. You still get to play all of our good cards minus Tempted by the Auric. And then you also get access to the back half of Selfless Glyph Weaver, which is Deadly Vanity, which just pretty much wins the game on the spot. And I think that's a big game to unlock. And then you also have the synergy with Pillar Drop Rescuer to rebuy Selfless Glyph Weaver, like if it dies early on or whatever. You can't do that. Oh, Pillar Drop Rescuer. Ah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's great. So you get to rebuy that late in the game potentially to cast Deadly Vanity. Maybe you cast it early and it died or whatever. You know, if you exile it, use its ability, you won't be able to do that. But unlocking that feels like it could be pretty strong as well. So I think there's a world where there's a build like that also. I like that a lot. I did not consider that. And I really like that. Um, so very, very cool that there's two variations here. I think, you know, you have to play white and then how you construct the deck around that seems like there's a, a couple different options there and maximum greed might be the best. The, the biggest selling point for me is being able to play the back half of the Glyph Weaver. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Sweet. Do you feel prepared for the arena open? I do. I feel like I should I should let folks know this deck did go 7-0 in the uh Ooh, nice. in the best of one sealed cubes on arena. So it was it was a good little deck there. Um I do feel prepared. I'm excited. You know, I'm hoping one one I'm I'm hoping to have fewer uh runs on day one. I think I did five last time before I made day two. So I'm hoping I get I get less runs there, but I'm also hoping to run back uh, a little cash prize. Yeah, for sure. And I'm hoping to have a better pool on day two to be competing for that cash prize, but I will do as many bullets on day one as necessary and i think you know both of us will probably be whenever we are finished with our day one and qualified for day two be pretty active in the in the discord helping folks build their pools i know after i was done i just spent like three or four hours hanging out building pools and it was exhausting but it felt like you know did a lot of work helping people which was really cool yeah absolutely uh, i'll be sticking around as well so good luck to everybody out there hope to see you on day two and have fun next weekend yeah hopefully these questions that we outlined were helpful in the process and that you go forth and crush all right thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen thank you so much to channelfireball.com for sponsoring this podcast when you're heading over to cfb for any and all purchases or signing up for cfb pro please use the code lol at checkout to let them know we sent you there you can check us out streaming i'm at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben is at twitch.tv slash mr metronome mr spelled out both under those same usernames on twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at lord of limited if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later
one we're hoping to not play first day of class that's the one in a red next time a creature comes into play it gets a plus does it even get a counter i don't even know what this card does because it's so bad it gets a plus one plus one counter in haste yeah and as if I thought searching first day of class would yield a magic card first. This is, I'm, I'm so lost. 